0: Let me welcome you to the gathering of Redemption Hill Church, and let me welcome you to the sixth anniversary celebration of Redemption Hill Church. Yeah, it's all right to clap. It's all right to be excited. Thank you. Uh, Jesus, we believe Jesus is alive, and uh, so we don't just celebrate that on Easter, you know what I'm saying? We celebrate that every Sunday, and he gives us more than uh, enough reason to celebrate who He is and what He has done. And so uh, we are going to spend some time this morning continuing our series, Radiant, and we're gonna be thinking about Radiant Steps on this uh, anniversary Sunday. So uh, if you would, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of 1 John, we'll be in chapter two this morning. And as you turn there, uh, I just thought, hey, it would be appropriate. Well, well, let me just pause here. If we have a first-time guest right here today, Thank you for coming. Let's give it up for them. Man, I, I, see a lot of, I see a lot of unfamiliar faces that I hope will be familiar after this morning and, and after our brunch downstairs. So thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Um, so just in the spirit of celebration, I thought it would be a, a, appropriate to just celebrate some of the camp. I, you know, I, I, if, if I took... You know the time to tell you every great thing that God has done in the past year—it would take the whole sermon, right? Um, but but I just want to hit a few highlights, and I want to do that by pointing you to our discipleship strategy as a church. I mean, a strategy is just how you kind of go about your business, and uh, and that strategy is informed. Uh, we hope very very clearly from uh, the truths and the principles in this book that God has given us, the Bible. Um, but if you will look on the screen, you'll notice uh, that that we understand that most people, if you're if you're new with us today. This is probably your kind of first step into the life of Redemption Hill. And we know that for most people, that's going to happen through Sundays, through our Sunday experience. Uh, At the same time... A lot of times people will find out about us first through maybe one of our Serve Medford events. So it's been another great year. I mean, this is something we have done from the very beginning. We said, hey, we want to love and serve our city like Jesus has loved and served us. So we put on Serve Medford Week. We modified the game plan with that. It was awesome. Camping out at Berry Park, serving and loving our city. We hosted soccer nights again, community fun day again. We served almost 100 families Thanksgiving meals last year and we're about to do it again next month. Um, so many great things through Serve Medford that often, I know some of you, I see you out there today, you, you met us through us serving in our city. Uh, then you can move into uh, the Sunday experience. So these little arrows are kind of just indicators of how people come into the life of redemption in hell. So uh, needless to say, many people come from a friend inviting them into the life of our church. And so well, let me just let me just do this for the fun of it. Uh, how many have, of you have been invited by someone uh, this year, and that's why you came to Redemption Hill? Raise your hand. Throw it up high. All right, so you can just look around. And, and, and that's just this year. What about like just the previous six years? Someone invited you. Throw it up high. That's everyone that's been invited. Boom. I mean, that's a lot of people. Did you know, you didn't know this, that 175 new people have come on a Sunday since June, the beginning of June. That's crazy, right? Now, now clearly not. I mean, isn't that awesome? Yeah, get excited about that. I mean, God is bringing, God is bringing new people into our midst all of the time. And, and we count every person precious around here as a church, and so I just want to celebrate. There's, there's really, we, we as pastors, we've been talking about. You heard me say it about a month ago. We feel like it's a new day at Redemption Hill. I mean, people are not only coming 175 strong, but people are coming back and and sticking around, and then getting connected with groups and, and serving with teams. And one of the celebrates for us is. As, as leaders is to see that our leadership picture as a church is not only uh, being sustained like never before. You know, Boston's kind of a transient city, so a lot of times, like, man, we get a leader in place, and then they peace out on us, uh, you know, because God's leading them elsewhere. We celebrate that, but that can be hard, right? But but this year, man, we're seeing a lot of our leaders not, just, not only just continue here and plant roots in Medford and Greater Boston, but we're seeing a lot of pe- leaders step up. We have a new worship leader. Thank you, Dan. Awesome how God provided him. I wish I could tell you the story of, of all of that. Um, we have a new connections team director, a new venue team director. Uh, we, we made some changes on Sundays to better uh, serve our kids. If you go downstairs and you saw it six months ago, you would know there are a lot of changes down there with our kids' ministry. Not to mention, just you see the number growing on Sunday mornings upstairs. Well, you know the same thing happening downstairs. A few weeks ago, we had an Easter number talking uh, 60 kids there uh, in all of our classes. Awesome. Um, And and then people are stepping in saying, hey, I want to be a part of this church. I want to really join in an official way through membership. And then multiplication. Uh, That's all about uh, serving others and helping other people know Jesus, not only here in Medford, but even around the world. So uh, this, this past year, we took a trip to New York City to work with our Nepalese church planter there in Queens. We took a trip just a couple of weeks ago to Montreal to help a church planter there in a very diverse part uh, with, filled with, with over 50% internationals in the neighborhood where he serves. And then in this next coming year, we're going to make it back to South Asia uh, to spend some time with our mission partners there. So just so much to celebrate, right, as a church. And most of all, all right, most of all, let me just mm, not forget this. Most of all, I really believe, and I'm sensing, God is building a culture of prayer in our church. So you remember, September 3rd, we talked about what does it look like to seek more of God as we offer more of ourselves to Him. We had a morning of prayer last, last month. over 40 people came. We're having groups, nights of prayer in our groups, where groups are coming together Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, this week just some amazing things. And so listen you may get the impression, especially if you're new, all right, that that Pastor Tanner is just up here to kind of, you know, it's celebration, so that's an excuse to kind of toot the horn of Redemption Hill, pat themselves on the back, you know what I'm saying, in the hopes that maybe kind of I would be persuaded to continue on and come back. Um, Well, we hope you come back, but I hope it's not the former. I hope it's not an impression of us talking about how great we are. Because you see, from the very beginning, we would not be here. We would not have moved to Boston six years ago to start this church if God was not the one sending us here and if God was not the one empowering every step. Everything that is good in our lives individually and in our church as a whole is a result of God's grace and love flowing into our hearts and flowing through us to make a difference for him. And so this morning, we're going to talk about radiant steps. And and I just want to say, listen, anything that we have to celebrate here, okay, we're not a perfect church, all right, so we take some missteps at times, all right, leaders included. But anything we have to celebrate is a result of us following in the radiant steps of Jesus Christ. And so that's what I want us to focus on this morning. That's my main encouragement, okay? As we move into year seven and beyond, the encouragement is simply this, to continue marching forward in the radiant steps of Jesus, all right? Continue marching forward in the radiant steps of Jesus. And so I have two simple encouragements. They flow right from these two sections in 1 John chapter 2, 3 through verse 11. And, and the first one is this, okay? Uh, just to, to, for our anniversary Sunday, to make it very uh, corporate, to make it what I mean by that, is just all of us in this together as the church, all right? As a church, we will, all right, this is our intention, we will walk like Jesus walked. That's that's our hope. That's our goal. That's what we're about as a church. And that's what John is talking about here. Look look with me. Read along with me these first four verses, starting in verse 3 of chapter 2. And by this, we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But... Whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Jesus. And so what we first see here is is John, throughout this, this little letter, okay, he is going to continually try to help people to understand what it means to be in the Christian life and we all need this, right? We all need some confidence that we truly belong to Jesus and that we're truly walking forward with Him. That matters not only for an abundant life right here and now, October 22nd through the 29th this week, right? But it matters for all of eternity. We want to be sure that God is at work in us and significant ways, and so John's trying to help us understand that, and he says, look, by this you can know, by this we know that we have, a love the planet, we, we have come to know him, and when John talks about knowing him, knowing God through Jesus, what he is saying is we know him in such a way that it's not simply an intellectual knowledge, okay, but it is experiential and dynamic, As we talked a couple of weeks ago, God wants to relate to us in ways that are even eclipsing the greatest friendship we enjoy in this life. God wants to to know us in that kind of way. And, And Jesus would say in John 17, verse 3, and this is eternal life. To know him, know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So eternal life is found through us knowing God through Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, and be straight up, we moved to Boston to start Redemption Hill Church because we want to help people know God. You know what I'm saying? Like. We want to help those who do not yet know him. And sometimes people say like people far from God, they just aren't thinking about God. They don't care about God. They might even be antagonistic toward God. We want to help those people know God in kind of a fresh and new way. But we also want to know, help people. I mean, there are are many uh, followers of Jesus around our city. What we came to find out, they just can't find like a, a solid church that loves and talks about Jesus every week. And so we want to help those people as well. Many of you found us with that kind of desire and intention, whether you grew up here or whether you moved into the city. And so what I love is that we're having the privilege to continue introducing people to Jesus every single week. In December, we're going to celebrate. Baptism is just an expression of someone saying, hey, I follow Jesus now. I know him now. And so we're going to have many people baptized on December 3rd. Hopefully, if not that Sunday, a future Sunday, one of those young men is going to be named, his name is Steve. And I know some of you may think, wait, like we just baptized Steve like last month. His name is Steve Reth, and, you know, Cambodian background and, you know, but God brought him into the knowledge of Christ and is doing radical things. I love my guy Steve Reth, but, but that's not the Steve I'm talking about, all right? I'm talking about a young man. Named Steve DiPrizio. I told Steve I was going to tell He's a basketball practice. He plays at Suffolk University. But Steve was on my second freshman basketball team at Medford High. So when we moved here in 2010, I volunteered at a basketball camp at Medford High because I'm a baller. You know what I'm saying? I used to be at least. Uh, you know, don't hate. I'm, I'm a little rusty these days. Um, but I volunteered at the camp. And then Coach Faraday called like, hey, coach. He was calling me coach already. Hey, coach, I need a, I need a freshman coach so I coached in 2010-11, 2011-12. On that 11-12 team was a young man, 14, 15-year-old, named Steve Deprizio. Steve and I kept in touch over the years. This past summer, we grab a meal just to catch up, hear about college, hear about his basketball team. At the end of our conversation, we housed the church coach, I'm having a bit of a spiritual conversation, and just kind of asked him, hey, Steve, you know, we never really talked about it. What, what are your spiritual views? What are your spiritual beliefs? And so at the end of that time, you know, after a short conversation, uh, I just said, you know what, Steve, I'm going to send you a couple of videos, just short, like five, six minute videos explaining who Jesus is and what he did. And so he loved, he, he really appreciated that. He loved those videos. He said, thanks, coach. I really, that really uh, helped me out. Uh, after we got back from summer vacation, I texted Steve, to said, Steve, let's get together soon. I hear from him a few days later, coach, let's get together and please send me another video. So I sent him our Easter sermon from from this past Easter, 40 minutes later. (laughs) That was amazing. It answered a lot of the questions I've had for years, 40 minutes later. I get together with him the next afternoon, and not only had he watched the Easter sermon, but he went online and found my sermon from the previous week on experiencing Jesus. Many of you heard it two weeks ago. And so Steve and I just have a great conversation, hour-long conversation, drawing out the three circles on a napkin of Dunkin' Donuts, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, so, so he's just processing all this. You can see how receptive he is. And so I'm like, man, I hope I have a Bible in my car. Steve, if I have a Bible in my car, I'm going to give it to you. And so thankfully, there was a Bible in the, the door, you know what I'm saying, a little door compartment. And, and so I pull it out, and Steve, man, this is for you. Just start reading the Gospel of John, and we'll, we'll talk soon. That night, John was amazing. Read, the whole, he read all 21 chapters. John was amazing. I said, Steve, uh, read it again. <laughs> and on, like, what do you do? Read it. So I it, underlined every I am statement. Every time you see the word believe, every time you see the word live, the next day, coach, I did it. It's, it's amazing what I'm, what I'm learning. I said, why don't you read the Gospel of Mark this weekend? It's, it's fast and action packed. You're going to learn a lot more about Jesus. He read it. I said, Steve, read Ephesians 2 again. And Ephesians 2 is all about how we, how we were made new in Christ out of, out of, after living our own ways and living for ourselves and, and the sin that we love so much and being made alive in Christ by grace. You are saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God that no one should boast. And see, Steve reads Ephesians 2 again. He says, I feel like this is describing what I'm going through. He came to our small group on Tuesday night. I wasn't even there. He came. And by the end of that, he's texting me saying, I feel like I'm all, I'm, 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 I'm ready to go all in with Jesus. Hung out with Steve for three hours yesterday, teaching him about the fundamentals of the faith, how to walk with Christ. It's amazing. And we all have Steve's in our life. We all, we all want to help point people to Jesus in a very natural way through relationship. We want to help people know who Jesus is and what he has done. So as John goes on, what we're going to find is he's going to say, Look, if you know him, then you will love him and you will express your love by following in The ways that he has set forth for us. So in in verses uh, 3, 4, 5, and 6, we have the same kind of idea repeated again and again. Verse 3, keep his commandments. Verse 4, keep his commandments. Verse 5, keep his word. Verse 6, walk as he walked. And so to keep his commandments are to treasure up his commandments, to to guard them, to protect them, to value in such a way that we're saying, look, I really, really, really want to follow what God has laid out for me in in this book, in this word. And so even as we think about verse five, as we think about the next year, seventh year of redemption, I hope that In a new and fresh way, we will all, as individuals, as small groups, as Sunday morning uh, worship community, that we will value the word more than ever. Because it reveals, like, and and let me just pause here. Here's a thought. This is more, you you hear, keep his commandments, keep his commandments. And and for many of you, what you're hearing is like a list of do's and don'ts. I can do this, I, I can do that, I can't do this, I can't do that. And so what happens is we relegate Christianity to a a list of do's and don'ts, a list of rules to follow when that's the furthest thing from what Christianity is all about, okay? And what I mean by that is not that there aren't commands to keep, okay? But but our view of God, this is why knowledge of God is so important, right? If we view God as a hard taskmaster who just exists to kind of rule us robotically to do what he wants us to do, then, man, all we're going to feel like is that this is a list of rules to follow, do's and don'ts, no fun, just a duty, right? But... If we know God as a good father, who loves us like a father loves a son or a daughter, then we're probably, based on that relationship, we're not only going to want to do what he asks us to do, but we are actually going to delight in the very things that we're doing for him. The standard is so high <laughs> in verse 6. Look, look at this again. Whoever says, and, and was, you see that in verse 4, you see that in verse 6, you see that in verse 9. In other words, there were some people who were, who were saying kind of one thing about following God, but then they were living a different kind of way. We call that hypocrisy. We want to stay away from that. But then they say again, whoever says he abides in him, like some people were saying, hey, I'm in him, I abide in him, I stay connected to him, I hang out, I'm dwelling with Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm totally uh, connected to him, um, but they weren't walking the same way that he walked. And so John says, if, if you say you abide in him, then we ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And so just a few more thoughts here. Listen, Jesus is our Standard. I mean, like, do, like, we are so prone. I understand because I, I'm there too. We're so prone to compare ourselves, right, to another, to each other, right? But, but Jesus is our standard. We're trying to be like him. And so over and over in the Bible, you're going to hear things like the Apostle Paul or St. Paul, he's going to say, uh, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ, Ephesians 5, 1 is gonna say, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. First Peter chapter 2, verse 21, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us. Anybody gonna go through a difficult time? I know you have. But he left us an example that you should follow in his steps. And so one of the kind of amazing realities of Christianity to me is that not only does God welcome me into the life of Christ by grace through faith, but he is continually making me and making you, if you are in Christ, into the very same image of Jesus. That, my friends, is a miracle. It's a miracle. If you're following in his steps and walking in those radiant steps of Jesus, you are becoming more like him. And that truly is a miracle. He is the goal. He is the standard. He is the one that we are following and chasing after. But not only that, right? Don't miss this. You can miss it if you weren't careful through 1 John, okay? Not only is Jesus the way and the goal, okay, but he is also, are you ready for this? He is also the motivation. He's the motivation. You said, well, Tanner, show me that. Okay, I'll show you. Back up to verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Everything that, Jesus, uh, that John has said about Jesus... He's the word of life. He's the one with the Father. He is eternal life. He is our advocate. He is the righteous one. He is the propitiation for our sins, meaning the wrath-absorbing sacrifice, the one who was judged in our place, taking the, the sin and punishment that we deserved and the condemnation that we deserve from God, and now he is taking all of that on him so that he gives us now his righteousness and his perfection and his life. You see, all of that came... Before we get to keep his commandments, keep his word, walk as he walked. So, so in other words, as, as some, some like to say, the indicatives of the good news, the gospel, um, they are the foundation for the imperatives. In other words, like these statements of truth and reality, okay, they are what fuel and motivate our very actions as we seek to keep his commandments. So, so Jesus is not only our standard, he's our motivation, and he is, he is our power. He's our power. And I got to just, I gotta bring, I'm just gonna bring this to you, okay, and I need you to really think about it, okay? Because here's what can happen. Again, we can just, like, we compare Scripture with Scripture, and, and, and we take these this imagery and, and metaphor, and we, and we are encouraged by it, we're instructed by it, but we have to Take it in in light of everything that God is saying in his word, okay? So like just as this can be one kind of uh, interpretive flaw, I think, in this verse. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked. So what I get is the picture, right, that Jesus is out there, and I am following him, right? Get that picture? Whoever claims to live in him must walk. Jesus is going here. I'm walking in his steps. Jesus is going here. I'm walking in his steps. That's true, but it's not as if Jesus is out there in front of me and that he is not actually helping me follow him, okay? So, so, so it's not that Jesus is out there, but he is with me and he is in me and he is providing the power for me to actually follow in his steps, so John Bunyan puts it like this. I love this. In his, in his famous uh, allegory, Pilgrim's Progress, he says that uh, the, the, main, the main character in the story, Christian, is taken into a room by this gentleman named Interpreter. And he shows him a fire. And in old homes, you would often have a fireplace that would warm two rooms. You ever seen a house like this? So there there is a fire that's heating this room while the fire is heating that room. And he shows him the fire there in the fireplace. And there is a, a gentleman who is throwing water on the fire. But even as the water falls on the fire, Bunyan says the fire grows higher and Hotter. That, that one was Satan, okay, the adversary of God, our adversary, and he is throwing water on the fire, and yet the fire is growing higher and hotter, and so Christian is perplexed. How can this be? There is water going on the fire, and I know this past week when I did a little fire pit I roast marshmallows for my girls, and I doused it with my garden hose, okay, the fire went out, but not so in Bunyan's story. And so, so the interpreter takes Christian into the other room, where stands Jesus. And every time Satan throws water on the fire, Jesus throws his oil on the fire to strengthen the flames and for the oil to burn, make, make the water burn with the oil even higher and hotter. That is exactly what is happening for us if we are in Christ. They are radiant steps. They are empowered steps. They are gospel-motivated steps. So listen, Redemption Hill, as we, as we move forward, as we march forward, let's, let's walk in the radiant steps of Christ as he walked. And then, and then secondly, just to kind of drill down, how do we go about this? Well, the, the greatest commandment, we shouldn't be surprised what John is going to say in 7 through 11 because we know that the greatest commandment is what? It's love. It's love. So so look at these verses with me. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. I love the kind of, complexity or almost perplexity of these two verses because what's going on there, right? You you read it with me. Okay. John is saying, hey, I'm going to give you an old commandment. It's not new. It's old. But in the very next verse, he says, look, this this commandment is not old. It's new. It's like, is John confused? Like, what's going on here? Okay. This is what's going on. John is saying, look, you've heard this from the beginning. He's probably not just simply Talking about their conversion to Christ when they started the life of following Jesus? Okay, but he's probably referring to all the way back hundreds and hundreds of years to the, the, the people of Israel when God gave them commandments. And in Leviticus 19, verse 18, what does it say? Love your neighbor as yourself. This this commandment is is so so old. So how can it be new? It's new. Because Jesus comes in and he shows us this love in such a way that makes it seem brand new. He, he shows in a very expansive and, and rich and deep way what the love of God looks like. So that, that this, this old command is a new command because in John 13 verse 34, Jesus says, look, hey, just as I have loved you, You love everyone else. It's qualitatively new. You understand? Because there was no one that loved like Jesus. There was no, there's no other God who became man. There is no other God who died for like voluntarily, selflessly, and sacrificially, most certainly generously. Okay, died for us. The world has never seen a love like this. So the command is new. It's, 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 something, like, it's something like receiving a uh, piece of art from your six-year-old. Cassa, I, I told Kessa to do this like five minutes before the sermon. So she can, you know, that's a smooth butterfly. I like it. Not bad. But, but, but this, is, this is art. This is art. And so is Rembrandt, Right? qualitatively different and new. And so Jesus, oh yeah, I have in my notes. It's like Reggie's jump shot and my jump shot. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Love love finds its substance in Christ. Like as Keller says in his book on marriage, love without truth is sentimentality. In other words, it just kind of makes you feel good, but there's not really substance there that's going to go the distance. And, and, of course, truth without love is harshness, right? But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life who loves us perfectly. So there's substance there. He's, he, it's, it's real in him in a way that it is you can't find anywhere else. And so John goes on to say, he says, look, the... The, the, the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. And I love that, that imagery of how we are light, right? We are light. The light has shone, shone on us, and now we are light in him, lighting up our world. And, and then he goes on and says, whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in the darkness. Verse 9, verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so if we're going to love as Jesus loved, then we must, first and foremost, the the instruction here is to love one another. We do this on Sundays at Redemption Hill. We do this in our groups. If you haven't connected with a group yet, please ask a pastor. Check, check out our, on our website. Go to our groups page because that's where we're really drilling down and living life together, right? Like sharing, sharing burdens with one another, serving one another, caring for one another, um, forgiving one another, praying for one another. We're living out all of these, these ideas of what it looks like to love one another. But I would say, too, as we think about just where we are as a church and what God has called us to as a church, it's not just loving one another, but it's loving our world. It's loving our city. Jesus was the one who died for the sins of everyone who would trust in him. Like anyone on the planet, anyone in our city can receive this love. And so we will continue to take the posture of servants to our city, to love our city, and to see the city of Boston changed. See, about a year ago, I stood up here and I shared what was not just our vision for the next year, but was a vision for 2020. Well, how we want to say this, just think about this with me just for a moment. Boston is a city where only roughly 3% of the population, astounding, attends a church like Redemption Hill, what we would call like a gospel-centered church, okay? That's not to hate on other, other churches, okay? That's not the aim, but it is just to say that, that most people in our city are not stepping into a church where they're gonna hear this kind of message and sing these kind of songs and pray these kind of prayers. So I don't know about you, but that to me is absolutely pathetic. We can't stand for that. We can't have the love of God beating in our hearts and say, that's okay. And so part of our 2020 vision is to not only reach out to more people around us and see we're praying for 30 to 50 people every single year to step into the life of Christ and to see our attendance on Sunday mornings more than double over 400 by 2020, okay, and that's not to say that we're some kind of big church around here. There are plenty of other churches that are bigger than that, okay, but the motivation is that we would be so much thriving and growing that then we can be more generous to be a multiplying church that's helping start churches all across greater Boston. And what I mean by that is we're actually sending dollars like we already do, but we're going to send more dollars and we're going to send people like we already are, but we're going to send more people to start churches all over the city. And what happens when we do that and dozens of other churches do that, I tell you what's going to happen, the 3% is going to 10%. That's our prayer. And so as we've been thinking and praying over the past couple of months, God's put a, a specific dream in my heart. I want to share it with you. So uh, my family knows about the Ripple Project. All right, None of you know about it. But, uh, but the Ripple Project was ignited, so to speak, in a, in a fresh way when I went to Rhode Island just a, a couple of months ago. So if you heard that prayer sermon, you heard how I I went to Rhode Island, I met with Pastor Stephen Mook, and we had a great conversation. He said, hey, Tanner, why don't you, we're talking about revival, we're talking about God working in our lives and our churches, why don't you come to our day of prayer uh, 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 tomorrow from noon to midnight, and you just pray for as long as you want. So that day, I spent five hours with them in prayer, never so encouraged, never so enriched by the prayers of other people. And so... uh, as I was there, and, and think about this, they were meeting in their own. Check this out: their own community meeting space. I'm not talking about like a Chevalier Theater that can seat a thousand people. I'm just talking about a a room that's you know, 1,500 square feet, thousand, maybe to 2,000 square feet. And I was just looking around saying, wow, how amazing. They can call together a prayer meeting, and they can pray whenever they want. They don't have to book it a month in advance. They don't have to pay extra for it on rent, okay? This is just their space. They can do whatever they want to do. And so I took a picture, and I slacked it to our our team, our leadership team. All right, this communicates like email. And I said, let's keep praying for this. When I went on vacation, I I couldn't shake the thought. I was talking to Marsha about it. I was talking to my parents about it. I get back, and I preach that prayer sermon on September 3rd, and as I'm driving, I would go the back way to my house, so as I'm driving home, okay, cutting through Governor's Ave, all right, and about to turn right on High Street, which is my street, okay, what do I see? I see a for rent sign right in front of me, 74A High Street, and so I do what anybody would do that's been praying about something like this, I make a call, (laughs) And so John Chastain and I, Pastor Reddy was in Italy, but uh, John Chastain and I go to look at it on Tuesday, we see a lot of potential, and okay, there were some question marks, but there was a lot of potential, and so we're genuinely interested, like, hey, what would it take? Like, God is a God who provides, maybe somehow we could slide into this. Well, what happened was the lady who wanted to put a hair salon there was first in line, and she took it, and that was that for us, all right, that was that for us. So what, what happens to this? God gave me a vision for why this could be so amazing for Redemption Hill. And let me just give you a couple minutes on it, okay? If we had a spot like that, right? Because we don't own our own facility. We work out of our homes just as a staff. And we hang out in the basement of a church in Cambridge for our staff meetings, all right? And it's not just like, that's only one little minute reason why this could be so good for Redemption Hill. What we're saying, the kind of vision statement that I think God gave me for this is that when when we're able to take this step, it can be a 24-7 microcosm of everything that's great about Redemption Hill Church. You hear that? So I'm talking about a place where we gather for prayer whenever we want to gather for prayer because we're we going to be a praying church. Anybody in on that? Thank you. This is going to be a place where people are introduced to Jesus over individual cups of coffee, over explore groups, where small groups are coming together to study the Bible. It's going to be a place where any of our groups, if a, if a community group needs a place on a night, then we're going to have that as an option. Equip groups, start groups. We're going to be able to develop leaders out of a place like that. Our staff is going to be able to meet there. We're going to be able to serve Medford out of a place. All the great things that we do, it would give us a home base for something like that. Not only that, we're going to serve other churches. We're going to share our space with even maybe people, partners in the city, but certainly other churches that share a same kind of mission. That doesn't include uh, things like College ministry, youth ministry, counseling, member care, possible members meet. Like all, the the, the possibilities are endless. Not to mention that it would be nice to have some 24 7 advertising somewhere in the city. You know what I'm saying? Like get get a T ad, five grand real quick. You know what I'm saying? So, like to, to have some visibility in the city that would A, raise the credibility with people in Medford but also give people more awareness about Redemption hell. And so as I'm praying about all this, that's the vision, that's the why. That sounds good to me. I hope it does to you. But then the question is like, okay, so how? How would we do that? Because here's the reality. We don't have it in our budget to add this for 2018 realistically, I mean, maybe God can do anything, and if he blows redemption hell up and we all continue to be faithful and generous in our giving, maybe by 2019, but maybe not. And so what we decided and what we knew to be true is that if, if, if we're going to move into a spot like that, we need, to, we need to see God provide in some other ways. And so I just thought, hey, it seems reasonable that if we could get someone to, to foot the bill for the first couple of years, why not, Right? That would, that would give us some room, it would mitigate the risk, and it would help us to move into the, to a space like that. And so as I was praying about all this, I just felt like God saying, hey, Tanner, based on the relationship that you enjoy with people, why don't you go to 100 of your friends? One of your, 100 of your friends, that, that, that I mean, I moved around a lot, so I have friends all over the place. People that I love, and I know they love me. People that have had a ripple effect in my life, and I hope to some degree I've had a ripple effect in their life. And so I just said, hey, what if maybe God, through these friends and maybe friends of their friends, he provided at least $30,000, and then, you know, we can go to a church or two, organization or two, and see another 20 to 30 come in, take care of the first two years off the bat. So I started praying about it. I got out my iPhone. This still loses charge very quickly. Someone asked me about that this morning. Um, but I was serving a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I s- set up this iPhone. Okay, Marsha's just staring at me like, what are you doing? And, uh, and I just shot a, a, an eight-minute video just telling this story and sharing the vision, 74A High Street and Rhode Island and all this. I start texting people on September 24th saying, hey, would you jump in? Marsha and I are the first ones to give to this. Would you jump in? And so I want to get Parker, my daughter, since she's kind of been in on the secret of uh, all this uh, project. Where's Parker? Here she is. All right. She is going to help me with the big reveal. Okay, so this is just through friends who love you, Redemption Hill, who love what God is doing here. Just in less than the, the past 30 days, we have seen God, and gifts are still coming in by God's grace. Thank you. How much money is that, Parker? $32,070. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Come on. God is amazing. Good job, Parker. Way to go. Amazing. I mean, I believed in my heart that that we were going to see a number like this. And there is a church out there that I'm in conversation with, and who knows what they might do. And listen, we don't have a lease yet. We don't have a spot identified yet. And so this is the fun for you. Like, some of you are going to hear that story. of like, Tanner, I want to give today. Like, let me write a check. And, and we're not going to allow you to do that. And why are we not going to allow you to do that? Because um, we're going to take it one step at a time. <laughs> All right, And we're going to ask you to continue just giving faithfully and generously to our immediate needs as a church. We're going to get a game plan, and then hopefully sometime in the year of 2018, God's going to pop up a spot around here in Medford that we can go and start a lease, and we're already going to have the first year more than covered. Amazing, huh? So thank you, God, for what you're doing to put dreams in our heart and to ignite us to keep marching forward on your love mission to love and serve our city. And so as we wrap up, we need to wrap up because the brisket and everything else is ready down there. All right. But but but, but listen, that's a, that's a forward-thinking, you know, step for us as a church. But what I want to ask you as we think about walking as Jesus walked and loving as Jesus loved, listen, our, our 2017 vision has been steps change stories. And so as you think about steps changing stories, as you think about stepping into the radiant steps of Jesus, my question for you, not to throw away, not to start thinking about lunch, okay, but, but my question for you right here, right now, is what is your next step? What is your next step? For some of you, listen, I know, because I even have, I have all kind of conversations, like some of you are really contemplating what it would look like to step into the life of Christ for the very first time. And if that's you, we've been praying for you. And if that's you, then don't wait. Do that today. Step into the life of Christ that he offers us. But then for for those who are already in the life of Christ and you're abiding in him, let me encourage you to ask the question, what is your next step to move forward in the life of Christ? It may be pursuing him in a deeper way. It may be getting more involved in Redemption Hill Church. Whatever it is, look, God is going to lead us to take those steps, those radiant steps, so that we can be more like him. Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for how you work in our lives. We're so grateful for how you have moved in our church over the past six years. And so, God, we ask that you would not stop. In fact, we know you won't. We know that your love is relentless. We sing about it today. It never stops. God, thank you for never stopping loving us. God, may we feel your love even as we continue to, to sing and to worship and to move downstairs and we love one another as we make new friendships and continue older friendships. God, would you empower us to live like Jesus? All for his glory, we pray in his name. Amen.